Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, how are you doing? Fine. You sound tired. I, I worked all night. And, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I've been fighting with people and all kinds of stuff all day. Okay, well, I'm recording. So we'll just <laughs> launch into this podcast. Is that okay? Are you okay with this? Okay. All right. So, hi, everybody. Um, we have really no production design on this podcast, which I think is actually kind of cool. Uh, it's called uh, I Don't Mean to Scare You. It is a podcast about the things we should be afraid of, where I talk to experts to just figure out what's uh, fact and uh, where which worries are misplaced. The podcast has pretty much at this point evolved into conversations with Dr. Adalja, epidemiologist, my favorite uh, pandemic influencer. Uh, where we talk about COVID-19, novel coronavirus. Is that a good intro? Should I do it again? No, that works. Okay. All right. How are you? How's everything? You just got off of MSNBC. Did they pronounce your name correctly? Um, of course not. What do they What do they call you? Were they as bad as they, Fox? Well, they all, they're all bad. They Sometimes... I'm, I'm not going to answer to it when they actually say my name right because I'm so used to answering it the wrong way. I can't remember which one they mispronounced. I think my first name they did wrong, last name correct. Um, Dr. Amish Adalja. What did Fox call you? They called you like Adelaide? Well, they, they just changed it. Sometimes Alala. it's completely. <laughs> yeah, there's sometimes that they've actually read my name, I think, from the middle letters first and then outward on both sides. That, that happened to me once. I like how uh, Fox like said your name two different ways in the same breath. Like I thought that that was pretty cool how just they didn't even try yeah i tell them in their ear i tell the anchor in the ear and then they forget sometimes yeah well anyway the least of our concerns um okay so it is march 22nd sunday i know all of us are probably have lost track of time i had to look that up to figure out what day it is um so far in the u.s there are about three thirty-two thousand cases of covid19 right now Mm-hmm. What are you doing in the background? I was putting my shoes away. Okay. I have to multitask. I know you have to multitask. Should I just start the podcast all over again just to be like, let's try it all over again, okay? I'm going to start multi- I'm going to continue to multitask. You're, so though, the whole podcast, okay, the whole podcast, fine. you're going to just be making sound, because you have to, because, you know, you're working and you took the time out of your schedule to talk to me, which is very kind of you. Yeah. The rest of us 22 listeners are going to have to just brave Dr. Adalja doing everything he needs to do while I'm mm-hmm. asking him questions. Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's fine. I'm fine with that. You know, you're a hero. 
whatever. Okay. So, as of March 22nd, 2020, I think, about 32,000 cases in the U.S.? Yep, and yes, and about oh. 300 deaths. I just read that it was like almost 400 deaths. Well, I mean, it's in that 300, 400 range. That's really sad. Um, did you hear about that one woman who was um, in New Orleans? She was like a social worker, 39, passed away. Yeah, it's unclear what she passed away from. I know she was waiting for a test, but obviously people can die from other conditions too. So I don't think that, at least from what I saw on the reporting, it wasn't clear what, what her cause no, of she death had was. No, she had a positive diagnosis. Uh, yeah, of the test, but I'm not clear what what exactly was her condition or what, what put her at risk and, and all of the details of the case. Do you think, let me just, do you think that she, what do you mean by that? Because it seems like she, you don't think, you think there's a chance that she might not have passed away from uh, I, I Natasha don't know the details of her case. No, I don't know what the Ott. details of, I don't know what the case details are. So it's hard to speak, speak at an individual patient, but you know, that you have to see what, what other medical conditions she had, what, what, what was prompting the test, all of that it would be important to know. But young people are going, young people are going to die from this. Remember that it's not just, it's not just old people there. It's going to cluster in old, older people, those other meta underlying conditions, but it's not that everyone is impervious to it. It's just going to be rare to hear about those young people actually dying. There may be young people getting hospitalized and getting sick, but it's not a condition that usually ends in fatality for older for younger people, unless they have an underlying condition. All things equal, if you if you get an initial an initial like viral load that's higher than someone else, does that put you more at risk for for dying from it? We we don't know that yet. There are diseases where viral load correlates with outcome. For example, HIV. But we don't know what the, what the viral load does in these individuals because uh, you can maybe have children who have high viral loads in their nose, but nothing really happens to them. So it's not, it's not just a, a linear type of thing, your viral load and, and, uh, and mortality correlate. I read recently that like, uh, and I never touch the toilet um, flusher thing, but apparently like the fecal oral is like 30% of transmissions or something. I don't think it's that high, the fecal oral. We we and it's not in the normal fecal oral sense. It's it may For be those more of you like listening, leaky, fecal oral is like when some like if there's something in somebody's like feces that gets in your mouth or something. So it's like if you touch a if you flush a toilet and then you're like eating something and you don't wash your hands and it gets in your mouth. Is that correct or your iron or your nose? That's correct, right? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I don't know how much fecal oral transmission is going on. It's it's, it's definitely possible. We've seen some transmission events really related to leaky pipes from from uh, toilets. Yes. I don't know how much toilet plume is causing it. That's what that's called, toilet plume when you flush a toilet. Yeah. That sounds like a band name. Okay. Um, so a lot of people are wondering, a couple of questions, uh, how long are, are you know, I, I hope everybody listening is in their homes, uh, social distancing from the rest of the world right now. How long do you estimate this is going to be a thing that will be either required or suggested to do? I fear that it's going to be months uh, of this uh, social distancing. I think we're talking probably uh, three more months, uh, three months total of this maybe, or, or even longer. You have to remember when you do social distancing, for it to work, the virus has to be gone or you have to do something. The virus has to, prevalence has to go down. And there's nothing that's going to bring the prevalence of the virus down until we actually have a vaccine. So that's why you're hearing modeling studies talk about 18 months of doing this. And the question I have, and I think increasingly needs to be asked, is how do you balance 
this social distancing and the forced shutdowns of businesses with the with the costs that they may incur in terms of businesses closing, people going on unemployment, uh, people foregoing other medical care, all of those negative cascading consequences. And it's sometimes really controversial to even ask that question right now, but it's something that we have to ask because well, you- this is this is changing the way people are going to live for some time. And I don't know how long it's sustainable without you ha- without having uh, long-term consequences, both economic, psychological, social. Yeah, you brought up a really good point, which is just that when we talk about mitigation strategies, we're not really thinking as holistically as we should be. For instance, when you put people in their homes, domestic violence increases, depression increases, suicide increases. When people don't have money, um, just poverty is probably one of the leading causes of death in America. Can I say that? Because I'm not an epidemiologist. That probably is a little... Well, po- poverty does contribute to early death. It's true. And alcoholism and drug abuse. And uh, we're not factoring who... those things in when we're doing these analyses about you know, mitigation strategies. Is that correct? Right. What people are looking at are mathematical models. And those mathematical models are looking, how do we get the coronaviruses are not. It's reproductive number. How many other people you infect down to less than one, almost like in a video game fashion. And you can do that with all of these types of interventions. But is the cost worth it? And how do you deal with the consequences of that cost? And I think there's a lot of short range thinking going on because people are alarmed about this outbreak, but they have to think about this, not just in the next couple of months, but think about what the, what these repercussions are going to be years from now, based on this hit that the economy and people's lives are taking now. And it's not just about putting a dollar figure to it. It's actually real things that are going to happen to people because of this, because of these shutdowns that are happening where businesses close and people can't feed themselves and where hospitals cancel all other, all other types of care except for COVID-19. And then you can't get a colonoscopy to screen for colon cancer or, or a pap smear to, to screen for cervical cancer. Yeah. I thought that that was a really good point. And the only thing that was kind of funny was watching you say that point on Fox News and you could almost see the reporter like coming. Sorry. She just was so excited because she kind of were like, what about businesses? And that's like, so Fox. But I thought that your point was really smart and nuanced about it. You're not saying like, I mean, I don't know if you saw it, but the picture that they put next to it was Urban Outfitters, which is like, I don't think what you were talking about. I think you were talking more about like small businesses, people that really need money to survive. And if there's like a way where we could keep some small businesses open, maybe through delivery services or continue to kind of practice, obviously, uh, sanitation and social distance, but do it a way where people's livelihoods are not all kind of cut off at the same time. Is that correct? But remember, people, people, regular people work at big, at Urban Outfitters and big businesses too. That's how they make, that's how they earn their life. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Well, okay. So then what is the way to do it? How do you, do you have like... Certain businesses open some days a week. Do you have uh, less employees? Do you have certain number of people in the stores? Do you have a cleaning protocols? Like, how do you how do you how do you well, do what you? Uh, you can to try do? to open those stores with it, with the understanding that social distancing still needs to be practiced as best as possible. Meaning that if you go into those stores, people practice good hand hygiene. People try to stay six feet apart. People try to go off hours, but you don't have to have them all shut down for indefinite periods of time. I think that's the way to do it, that we have to learn to live a little bit with this virus. And we're going to have – this isn't something that we're going to be able to completely avoid. This is going to be a hard blow, but we have to be able to function as a society and and have some semblance of, of normal 
normal life because other negative consequences will occur if you if you focus solely on COVID-19 to the effect uh, to the to the exclusion of all other aspects of life and people's well-being is going to be be harmed and that's what I'm worried about and I don't know how to strike the right balance and I think it's going to have to be based on what's going on in the community in terms of spread, what each individual's preference is for risk. And we really want to make sure that the high-risk individuals are are protected. But but in order to actually fight this pandemic, we need to have production. We need to have people at work being able to 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 do things in order to get out of this pandemic because we have there's certain supplies that we're going to need. We're going to need people to be at work to do do these things. And maybe that's the younger people that are less at risk or people who are already recovered for it and you test their, test their immunity. There's lots of ways to go about this, but I don't think that a shutdown uh, is, the, is the right answer to this. And increasingly, I think there's going to be more voices that will start to realize that, but it's hard in this acute time to be able to even say this without getting pushback. Do you... Um you talk about young people having immunity or people who've already had it having immunity. How much do you know whether or not people do have immunity to this? We do We do believe that if you've been infected with this, at least for the short period, short term, you're going to have immunity that prevents you from getting sick again. Uh, and I do think that's what's going to be increasingly important is to be able to test those individuals and say, okay, you're immune. Maybe you need to go back to, you can go back to work and maybe you can be working in healthcare or maybe you could be doing this. That's one, one way to go about it. Are you immune to the different strains of it or are, do you, or would you get less, like less of a sickness or how does, and you, so, uh, you would, you would be immune to this specific strain and they're trying to make those tests to check immunity currently. Okay. Um, so that's all interesting. Do you, where, I mean, it looks like China's going back into production. How, what's going on there? I haven't really been following China so much. It's unclear what's going on there in China because we don't have many American journalists have been expelled from major news organizations. So we don't have a full picture of what's going on. And it's clear that maybe in some provinces things are going back to normal, but it's unclear what's happening in Hubei province or in Wuhan city itself. And it will be important to see if they reignite because the virus shouldn't have went anywhere. I think they were able to bend the curve a little bit in their in their area, but I don't know if you're going to see a reignition once things come back to life and how sustainable it is for them to go back into lockdown if they need to go into lockdown and how much lockdown has actually been lifted in, in, in Wuhan. Uh, those are all open questions. And we know that there's a lot of misinformation uh, coming from the Chinese now regarding the origin of this virus and a lot of propaganda uh, appearing. So it's hard to know what's true. I just read that Putin is putting is sending lions out into cities to keep people in their homes, and I think that was fake news. But I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but yeah, fake news. I don't want to spread fake news. Let's talk about treatments. Um, you think that there will be the earliest a vaccine will actually exist for this is about eighteen months? You think exist in 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 a way that's people can access. Right now, we're in clinical phase one trials. There's at least two vaccines that are in phase one clinical trials, which is record time. But it's not uh, the same thing as having the, the vaccine available for the world. So I don't think that people should be holding out for a vaccine. And, and it's scary because that's what all those modeling studies are doing, is holding out for a vaccine, saying social distancing and extreme extreme measures until the vaccine is available. But uh, that's 18 months, and that's not really palatable to most people and to, to most countries. And then what about the drugs out there that are working? I know that Trump got got in trouble. He, didn't, he doesn't ever get in trouble, but Trump tweeted something that a lot of people got upset about. Can you talk about that, the two-drug cocktail combination thing? Sure. So there's a lot of – there's some 
some things that need to be disentangled there. So there is a lot of in vitro data that drugs like chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, which are used for malaria as well as for rheumatologic conditions like autoimmune conditions, have effects against the virus. And uh, this has been known for some time. And there is a lot of promise trying to repurpose those drugs for 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 COVID. And it is on hospital protocols. I actually prescribed somebody hydroxychloroquine yesterday. So this is something that we are doing, but it's important that it be done in a protocolized fashion with randomized control trials to prove its benefit. And we don't want every person calling their PCP asking for them to be prescribed hydroxychloroquine. We want to do we want to actually know that it works and we want to make sure it works. And and we are using it. Um, I would caution people about using that combination. That, that study has uh, a lot of issues with it. That's a study of using uh, the, the chloroquine drug with azithromycin, which people know as a ZPAC, and there are some dangers to doing that. That can, If you combine those two drugs, it could cause a dangerous heart arrhythmia, so the pe- people shouldn't do that on their own. Uh, it should be something that you do um, under the supervision of a doctor, likely in a hospital uh, setting, at least for now. I think that uh, hydroxychloroquine by itself is safe, but we don't know if it works, and I think that it should be done in a controlled fashion as well and not given to every patient. Uh, that Gilead drug, remdesivir, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. Can we, is that does that show promise? What do you think about that one? Remdesivir does show some promise in a little bit, a little bit of the the data that we're seeing. It's being given now on ex, an expanded use, as well as there's five clinical trials. We should probably hear within the next couple of weeks about whether or not they're seeing an effect on patients. But remember, those that drug is not going to be some kind of panacea that everybody gets. It's an IV formulation for people that are in the hospital, and it may prevent death. Uh, or severe complications in high-risk individuals. It's not the same thing as a vaccine, but it will be important to get it. So it sounds like this drug, the way that it attacks people's bodies, is not uniform across the board. It kind of maybe interacts with underlying conditions or things like age or whatever. And so when people have it and their condition is critical and they're in the hospital, there's not like a one-size-fits-all treatment for this. Well, we don't know what the best treatment is yet. That's why it's important that we actually study. What about people? Okay, so as I told you before, an ex-boyfriend of mine has it. He's in Brooklyn. Um, You know, I I knew that uh, (laughs) it's not funny, but I have dated everyone, so it was just only a matter of time that somebody that I dated would have it. Um, Really, really wonderful, nice guy. And um, he's at home. Uh, Last I checked, he's... You know, he said it was brutal, but he's alive and he's doing okay. What do people who are treating themselves at home, how do they even go about treating themselves? Like, I know that you're supposed to drink a lot of fluids, get your rest, but what are ways that people who actually have it and are self-isolated and that are, are treating themselves at home, like what are some ways that they can feel better or try to not die? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Many of the symptoms that you get from this are going to be mild and similar to what you get with the common cold or flu. So you can use over-the-counter medications that you would use for the flu. So just going to the flu and cold section of your drugstore and those types of drugs. I don't want to mention them all by brand name, but everybody kind of knows them. So I'll just rattle off a bunch like Theraflu and Dayquil and NyQuil and um, Mucinex, all those types of medications will help with fever. They'll help with But Motrin, ibuprofen, not, right? Well, the, there has been a report from from France about not using ibuprofen-type drugs because of an increased risk of mortality in those patients or bad outcomes. But that's that's a correlation. It's unclear whether that's a real signal. And I wouldn't change your treatment based on what that is. What that, it's too that's, soon to tell. Right. We don't know that that's the case. And you, we, it may have been that sicker patients were the ones prescribed those drugs. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're at all worried, you can always take Tylenol products. But I, I wouldn't... Uh, 
completely stake everything so on that So if you're study. home and you have flu-like symptoms, treat it like you would treat the flu, get your rest, uh, lots of liquids, over-the-counter, flu medicine. Right, and if you get short of breath, have an unremitting fever, you get dehydrated because maybe you have some nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, then uh, you should probably seek medical attention as well as if you um, are older or have other medical problems. Okay, and then... Um uh, I don't know. I, I uh, how do you? I have a uh, an acquaintance. His name is John McAfee. Uh, he doesn't think that he thinks that this is a hoax. For the people out there who ha- are acquainted with um, uh, uh, alleged uh, murders or just talking to their parents who aren't getting the memo, how do people get it into? older people's heads that this is serious and that they should isolate and stay home. John McAfee is particularly at risk because he does eat feces, so that's also concerning. How do you tell people, either John McAfee or your parents, to not eat feces at this time and in general to just like self-isolate because it, this is a dangerous virus? Every community is going to have cases in the United States, and they're going to know people that get infected. And I think that will bring this home for people. You're already seeing celebrities get infected, Congress people get infected, sports stars get infected. So that's helping to bring this home to people. But eventually you're going to see people in your own town that are infected. And that should tell you that this is not this is not something that's a hoax. This is something that needs to be taken seriously. And and we need to protect people that are most vulnerable from it. And uh, calling it a hoax is not going to make it go away. And it's probably not a good idea to ever eat feces. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. All right. Um, how are you protecting yourself? I know that you, you said that you have like protective gear at your disposal, but um, are you, how, how are you making sure that, I mean, you're, you're coming into contact with patients, you're on the first, the front lines. How, how are you taking care of yourself? I'm following all the personal protective equipment guidance that there is. I wash my hands. I make sure I wear gowns and gloves and the appropriate mask when I'm seeing patients that might have this or do have this. And uh, that's the best I can do. And uh, when I'm out in public, I'm making sure that I'm washing my hands, not touching my face as much as possible, trying to stay away from sick people when I'm not seeing them in the hospital. But it's, you know, this is something that's hard to do and it's going to be something that everybody's going to be exposed to. And I know that I'll probably be exposed and infected because it's just going to be the nature of the, the job. Okay. Um, you last time we talked, you t- we talked about like homemade masks, which you just didn't even you didn't even entertain it, which I, I respect. But now everyone's trying to get people to like knit and sew surgical masks because we're running out of them. What are your thoughts on that? Well, what I was talking about were homemade masks for the general public. I still don't believe the general public needs to be wearing masks. But if you're someone who's sick or if you're a healthcare provider and we're in extreme dire shortages, then I think a homemade mask is better than nothing. Um, but it's not something that we want to prefer. And, and remember that a homemade mask is not going to be as protective as a proper, uh, a proper manu- properly manufactured mask. So I, I, the, the reason that we're talking about homemade masks is only because we, we may end up in a, in a crisis situation and need to have alternatives for, to protect our healthcare workers. How is it so hard to just ramp up our production of masks and ventilators Why and field hospitals? Why is this not happening or how can we make this happen? Well, it is starting to happen. There are companies like 3M that are increasing their production of masks and other companies as well. Ventilator companies are increasing their production. Some other companies like the big three automakers and Rolls-Royce are trying to decide if they can make ventilators and learn how to make them. We're trying to retrofit old ventilators. 
Uh, field hospitals are also something that's on the table. If if, we, if it if it gets to that, hopefully it won't. And FEMA has been activated, and they have that capacity to make those field hospitals. But we can even use high school gymnasiums and uh, abandoned hotels and shuttered hospitals for that. I think as we well. should be using those fake abortion clinics, uh, crisis pregnancy centers, because they have medical equipment. They there are more of them than there are Planned Parenthoods in the U.S. They serve no medical purpose on their own, and we should just send everybody to them. What do you think about that? Yeah, if they have medical equipment and bed space, they, they have. Ironically, they are pro-life organizations, but I would call them completely all dead space. Um, okay, that was just a little. That was just a little spice of uh, non-comedy abortion politics. Um, none of this is comedy. We've already established that from the beginning of this podcast. It's not funny, and that's okay. Um, I oh. Question about the death rate in Germany. It seems to be one of the lowest. Do you think it's because Germans are really good at following orders? I think that Germany probably was more aggressive with testing and isolation and was able to not have a major uh, outbreak there. And I think that that's one thing that, that plays a major role in what the what the total burden is going to be. Although I would just say that it's it's hard to know exactly what numbers mean in any country because it all depends on the function of their testing and what they're testing and what they're reporting. Do you think but there are countries that have that kind of a lower, lower, um, lower burden and it's important to learn from them. Do you think we're seeing a higher rate of mortality among men in Italy than women just because of the, how, like what a patriarchal misogynistic society Italy is not. I love Italy. I've dated many Italians and I can tell you firsthand Italian men, I think have like a, less healthy lifestyles than Italian women. This is a generalization, but I, I do, you do see kind of how Italian women are made to, like they have to all grow old to look like Sophia Loren, whereas Italian men can like drink and smoke and look like um, anything they want. Do you think that that double standard of like health as men and women age could be playing into mortality rates among men? Or is that just me trying to insert my feminist agenda into an issue that, doesn't need it. It's probably a little bit of both. Um, there probably is some risk factors that are unique to men. And then there's also the fact that men have different hormones. And we know, for example, that estrogen can be immune modulatory and testosterone can be inflammatory in the blood. And people um, have had worse outcomes with other infections based on the level of testosterone versus estrogen. And there are, you know, the, there's that whole like um, euphemism called man flu, which is probably real. Uh, there probably is more severe symptoms in males and females with uh, influenza, so it may be the same. I've thing never as well, heard of on. man flu. I've never heard of man flu. Oh well, people talk about it. And- I heard that though, like men as they get older just have more estrogen in the same in the way that like when my dad watches Pampers commercials, he'll cry. Um, but that's still they still have more testosterone than women of that age. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All right, I only have a couple questions from Twitter. One, I haven't read it yet, so here we go. Since so many may have few or no symptoms, does a test to establish immunity make sense in the future? Yeah, it does make sense because that, that will be what you allow to say that someone can go back to work, that they've already been infected. Um, that means that they're the ones that should be out like getting groceries for elderly people. So you can use immunity even if there's no symptoms uh, to, as a surrogate. And what you have to do is like go out in the community and, and have people tested for this and then say, okay, you guys are all immune, so you guys are fine. And you give them like a, 
you know, just like in your immunization book that you had when you were a child, you stamp them with that so that they have some kind of proof of immunity that will allow them to, to function a little more. That's kind of one hypothesis that people are thinking about, but that could go wrong. That could go wrong. Um, but that's one way to think about it. Uh, I almost bought, actually, I did buy one of those UV ray decontaminating phone light things on Amazon. Should I should I cancel that order? Or do you think that UV light, is, is that does that work as a decontaminant? It does, but you can just use sunlight. I mean, I don't think it's that big of a deal to to do that. I I'm not. I don't have a UV radiation thing in my house. Oh, how long does it take for a virus to die when exposed to the sun? It's not just the sun. It also has to do with environmental conditions, what surface that, that what surface it's on, uh, what the humidity is, what the temperature is. But all of those things work together to degrade a virus. And I would think in most everyday situations, it's going to be hours to a day or so. Although you're going to find exceptions, and don't read the lab studies and get freaked out because that's all often in a in a special idealized situation that's not reflective of real life. I go back and forth. Sometimes I'm like, you know, we'll get through this, and hopefully we'll have Medicare for all. And then sometimes I'm like, society is going to devolve into like just chaos. Um, quick thought: This is I was talking to a friend. I think everyone's wondering this um, food we. Is it okay? Is it okay to order delivery if you like microwave your food? I know we've talked about this, but it just seems like there's so many. If people are getting it from surfaces, even just going to the grocery store and like picking out food, and then you have to clean it, and like how, without sounding crazy, how do you how do you make food right now and make sure that you're not gonna get it? Or can you order food from a restaurant? I know you said that you can, and I just it doesn't it hasn't gotten through my head that it's like safe to eat food at a restaurant. I get I get takeout from restaurants all the time. I don't do anything special with it at all. You don't even put it in the microwave for thirty seconds. If it's cold. But if you did put it in the microwave for thirty seconds, like if you were just a paranoid a paranoid person and you just wanted to like make sure your food was fine, you just could nuke it for thirty seconds, and then it would definitely kill any version any COVID on it. I don't know if that's been studied, but I mean I don't do that so. Well, I, I mean, I don't know. I've been cooking a lot. I, I, this has nothing to do with anything, but I found out that you could take pizza dough from Whole Foods and make pretzels, and it's a game changer. I know that's insensitive. People are dying. What can we do to help more vulnerable people? I've asked you that before. Has it changed? Should we be delivering groceries to our elderly neighbors? Um, what are things that we can – how can we help people right now? Oh, you should – if you have people that you're around that – are particularly vulnerable, you should try and help them social distance by helping them with their daily errands and their food shopping and all of that other stuff that you can do um, if you want to. Um, that's one way that we can try and cocoon those individuals that are at higher risk and and minimize the, the stress to the healthcare system if we can keep those individuals safe. Cool. Um, I also saw something on Twitter where somebody was like, hey, foster this pet. We just found this cat on a balcony in New York City just alone. Somebody take her in. Now, I know I can't tweet this because I'll get in trouble, but is there a possibility that, like, somebody is in the hospital with COVID and then their pet ends up just needing to be fostered and then you end up getting, like, a COVID cat um, and then getting COVID from the cat? I wouldn't worry about it. Well, we got to worry about everything, but can you, I know that they're like, I've seen well, I'm not worried about people getting COVID from, from animals. fostering animals. Okay. So definitely foster those animals. 
They will make you happy. They'll extend your life. Unless cats are a little bit sketchy, right? In terms of they're they're more disease vectors than dogs to some degree. Wild, like outdoor cats, right? No, it depends. I mean, you can get you can get rabies just fine from either one, but not in the United States because everybody's vaccinated. No, you can, either either animal can have so certain viruses and parasites that are in both. It's not yeah, but animal. aren't like pregnant women not allowed to be around cats versus they can be around dogs? Well, specifically because cats are the final hosts for um, toxoplasmosis, and that cat litter is something that can transmit it. So you have to, if a, if a woman ha- doesn't have toxoplasmosis immunity, they have to be careful about cleaning cat litter. It's not that they can't be around cats. It's just okay. that they have to be careful when they're handling cat feces I just, because the, paras- the parasite is in there. I'm not a cat person, as you can tell. When I was little, my sister, we had a cat named Smokey, and my sister would throw Smokey on me, and I would get, like, scratches on my arm. So I'm more of a dog person. Okay, some rapid-fire questions. Does drinking water, warm water throughout the day, keep the virus from entering your lungs and push it down into your stomach where it can be neutralized by stomach acids? That's a crazy question, but from a friend of mine, and we're all crazy right now. What do you have to say to that? That's a crazy question. Okay. So thank you. Um, uh, yeah, no. That, that, that's um, what about blowing your nose before bed or gargling uh, Listerine? Does that help? No. Okay. Well, my okay. My dad said that that helps. All right. Should we be showering as soon as we get home from a grocery store? Should our clothes be waiting outside to neutralize in sunlight? Also, should we be wiping down all of our groceries before bringing them into our home? No. No. It's okay. Okay. Does it mutate? Yes. They are. Every all, virus mutates. Every, okay. Has there been eighteen COVIDs before this one? That no. It's COVID nineteen because of two thousand nineteen. Correct. Yep, you got that one yourself. If we called it COVID-14, do you think Trump and his pedophile friends would care more about it or less? <laughs> Thanks. I'm glad. That was that the was only sweet. joke. That's the only joke I have. Okay. How do we get parents who are not getting any purposeful guidance in their Wisconsin town to understand they should not go out? We answered that question. And you just said, you know, talk to them. Send them articles. Send them articles of people who've died, right? My mom does that anyway just to – she when I first got into comedy, she would send me articles of comedians – killed themselves. I don't know why. I think it was like, cause she, it was like, oh, I, I, I read this and I thought of you, but well, that's probably helpful, right? Just inundate them with horrible, sad news to try to change their life path. Might not work. Yeah. Be flexible with people. I mean, they're, they're going to be people that want to go out and take a walk or do things. And I think it's important not to shame them, which is happening right now. And I think that's the wrong approach. So, I think that there, there are, and do, that's not going to uh, put you at a much increased risk. So I think you have to um, be flexible and permissive uh, when you can, because it's not practical for some people to completely social distance themselves and you don't want people getting depressed and having issues because of it. If somebody had to choose a Sophie's choice between cigarettes and pot, it's way better to be smoking pot right now, correct? I don't know that we've studied that for, for this virus, but most people don't smoke marijuana. They, they don't smoke like a whole pack of cigarettes worth of marijuana, so it's less damaging gotcha. in terms of that. But I don't think you don't know, I would Josh. recommend. I wouldn't recommend any kind of respiratory tract irritant right now, whether it's marijuana or whether it's uh, cigarettes. Ooh, somebody wants to ask about Rand Paul. Is he asymptomatic? There are rumors that he's asymptomatic. I, I I don't know that he's had symptoms for it, but he was tested. I'm not sure what the indication for testing testing was, uh, but as of now, I don't know the whole status of what. Um, what symptoms triggered his test, if any? How does Trump not have it? Is it because of the lipid shell on COVID-19 that just slips off greasy, oily people? <laughs> oh, I got a laugh out of you. Okay. I'm trying, Dr. Dalja. Um, 
What about the drinking game next time you're on a may, um, news that every time they mispronounce your name that we, we should take a shot of tequila? Do you think that that would probably lower your immune system and make you more susceptible to COVID, correct? Yeah, I said that alcoholism is a risk of all this shut-in, so that's another game. Just that what about a light drinking work. game where you just we drink every time somebody mispronounces Amish Adalja? Without, that's so many times it might get us alcohol poisoning. Um, someone who says, if I microwave my cleaning sponge, does that kill Corona? And if it does, how long should I microwave them for? I don't. The, the sponge has soap on it. Soap kills coronavirus. Why do you need to microwave it? Oh. Well, I just, I mean, look, we're all going crazy right now. I think, like, I, I know my friend Jacqueline had a question that you didn't like last time, and but I think it's important for us all to ask all the questions. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm in real time getting questions from people. Um, do you think laughter is the, the best medicine if there's no vaccine? No, rem, remdesivir is probably better, right? Right. Where does laughter rank in terms of medicinal properties? From I know, people have done some studies on that laughter and your immune system, and we do know that stress makes your immune makes you more prone to upper respiratory tract infections. So maybe maybe de-stressing by watching or downloading your uh, your uh, comedy specials would be a good good medicine. For what if you have, what if your specific brand of comedy is to induce stress? It might it might not work as well. Because that's what I've been finding. It doesn't really work as well. My comedy. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe like Steve Harvey or something like that. Okay. Well, <laughs> how? Okay. Well, you know, you the the woman who you can I am I violating HIPAA if I just said that you told somebody to to check out American Cunt? I didn't. I was embellishing. I didn't say that to her. Oh, you didn't. You no. actually you just lied to me. You just no. No, I was running in a small hometown. If I said that word, I would be in a lot of trouble. Okay, well, I've got a couple more COVID questions, and then I'll, I'll get out of your hair. I know you've got a lot of stuff to do. My hair is getting long because I can't get a haircut. That's cool. Oh, here's, a, here's some tips. Okay, this is from Michael Caine. When I was first getting into comedy, I watched— Yes. I watched a DVD back in the day of him talking to actors— and he said, you know, blink less because then people will really connect to you. And I noticed that you have been blinking a lot on television. So I would say. Because I'm tired and my contacts burn and those lights are bright. I know. Everybody they are. says that, that I blink, but my, I can't, my eyes are. Well, it's hurt also so bad. better for you to blink because you're getting whatever out of them. All right. Yeah. I was just going to say, remember how you got mad at me when I was like, you should straighten your tie? Well, now your ties are straight, and I'm just like looking at the next thing, and it's the blinking. Okay, fine. It's fine. I can't stop blinking. It hurts too much. Okay. What are the chances it will mutate into something more lethal? I don't think that's a real possibility. I, I think it's doing well as it is and, and, and doesn't. And it's not like it flips a switch and then all of a sudden becomes something more lethal. Most mutations are going to be have no effect or be negative for the virus. And it, from the virus's perspective, all it wants to do is spread from person to person to person. Becoming more uh-huh. lethal may not serve that purpose because then those people are going to be in the hospital and not able to spread it. What the virus wants to do is be able to, if you could anthropomorphize it, is infect more people. And the way it to infect wants more to people live is it's, it just wants to be liked. Yes. It just wants I to guess. be liked like the rest of us, you guys. It wants to be popular. It wants to be in everyone's lives. It just wants to be in everyone's lives the way Trump is in all of our lives on a daily basis now that we're stranded in our homes and forced to watch him talk on television. 
Okay, so what do you predict in the near future? How do you think, do you think that people are going to listen to you and open a couple businesses in a safe way? Do you think we're going to end up in like some chaotic uh, dystopian future where we've got roving bands of, of asymptomatic COVID kids robbing everybody with their snot rockets? Do you think we're going to end up okay from this? Do you think... I do think we're going to become okay. I think this is going to be really disruptive. And I think that there are, the question now is, are we taking the right actions? We're taking lots of actions. We want to make sure that they're the right actions and that we're not causing more harm than good, that everything is right size to this threat that we face. And I think that's a hard question and it's going to differ. And we've not had appropriate federal leadership. So you've got governors doing their own thing and you're going to have some states have certain restrictions. Other states don't have other restrictions. And I think that's just going to, make things worse because you're going to have some state close its borders to another state and then it can just be total chaos. If you, in my, in my bad moods, that's when I, I think about all of that dystopian type of thinking about states closing borders and people having to show their immunity to go into places, all that kind of stuff. But I don't, that I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but it's something that we need to think about and guard against by making the right decisions now. On a day-to-day basis, while most of us are just stuck in our homes, yes, we can obviously and should help our neighbors. Um, like, I help obviously helping people who are the most vulnerable at this moment is the best thing we can do. In addition to socially isolating, are there any any other like strategies to kind of keep sane or keep? Um, I don't know, Doctor Dolja. Anything else? Anything else we should be doing? Is there anything we should should we be like obviously resting, eating well? Keeping our immune system strong, laughing, learning, loving, living, dancing like nobody's watching. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, all that stuff. From, that sounds like a pantyhose commercial or something from the yeah. 1980s. Okay. Um, I'm trying to see if there are any other questions. Do you have any questions for me? No. <laughs> I was locked down. You were in lockdown. We are in lockdown. You're in sheltering, you're sheltering in place. I don't have, Pennsylvania is not like that right now, so. Yeah, no, I'm actually, I'm I'm doing okay. I'm with Josh and Potato. Potato's never been happier. He has two parents home at all times. Josh and I are getting along really well. We were thinking about maybe even having a Zoom wedding if they'll pay us to promote them. I don't know. I mean, we might leave Los Angeles because who knows how it's going to be in a couple months with people just being stressed out of their minds. I'm really glad I'm not in New York City. I told all my friends who are there to stay safe because I think one of the scariest things right now in addition to the virus is just like the social upheaval that will result in all of these policies being enacted. Uh, Worried about the election. Um, You know, will everybody still be alive? Worried about... Of course everyone's going to be still alive. I think people need to get over that part of it. Well, Everyone everyone's not going to still be alive. People I know are already sick, and some and a friend, my friend's mentor is on a respirator right now in Chicago. So, will the will the men that I want to interview in the next soft focus be alive? Will that be a good thing? If so, who knows? Who knows? All right, I'm sorry. I'm just talking now. Um, Seeing last, just going to look, see if I have any other questions for you on Twitter. But yeah, no, we're fine. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to more friends since being locked in my house in Los Angeles than I have since I moved here. So, you know, there are, there are nice things in this 
creepy time as well. Okay. Um, ugh, this question. What is the death count range we can expect in the U.S. from this? It's too soon to tell, right? The death rate? I think it's... I, I think 1% is the upper bound. It might be... It's going to be probably lower than that, but I think... Uh, and 1% yeah, was also the 1918 pandemic, is that correct? It was, but there's a couple of differences. And remember in 1918, the average age of death was at a very young age. And in this, the average age of death is a much, at a much, much higher age. So that's a different type of pandemic. Um, and also in 1918, that 1% was without, uh, I, I guess 1918 was just a very different type of epidemic because we didn't have ICs, we didn't have antivirals or antibiotics or any of that thing. But 1% is what we're kind of seeing average out, but we don't have, still have, good testing everywhere to get the mild cases to understand what the denominator is. So I look at South Korea's data and it's like 0.92 or something like that. So maybe it's a little less than 1%, but we maybe even fall even lower if you actually get more testing because there's still a severity bias in the data, but it doesn't matter because it's the, it doesn't matter as much because it's the amount of people that need to be hospitalized, need the ICU. That's what we're worried about. That's where the capacity issue is. Yeah. So we really just like need to get those ventilators and hospital beds and masks all really in order. And then we can kind of, then, then I think maybe we can start to live with this more easily if we know that we have enough ventilators for people and enough masks for people on the front lines so that less people get sick and that the people who do get sick, less of the cases are fatal. Somebody on a respirator, when it gets to that, is it mortality like 40 to 60%? It depends on their age. No, no, it's not respirator, ventilator. Respirator is a type of mask. Sorry, so sorry. I meant ventilator. My sister got mad at me when I was little too because I – we were playing tennis, and I called one of the vibrosorbs a vibrator. I do that sometimes, and I'm sorry. Ventilator. I meant ventilator, not respirator. I have accomplished a lot with my speech problems. So, okay. Um, you're feeling okay after this call? Do you think this call bo- uh, boosted your immune system? Yes, it did. Cool, because they got two little chuckles out of you, and the rest was just, you know, noise. Yeah, and you made me... I, I made you laugh. I, yeah, and it's like therapy to talk about some of the stuff that I don't get asked on television interviews. or. Is there other stuff about. that you don't get asked that you want to say right now? You can just say it. No, I think we got most of it. Is there anything annoying about the mainstream media hounding you daily to talk to them? No, nothing. That's anno- not annoying. It's just that it's um, it's it's hard to to say, answer the same questions all the time, but it's and then it's hard to pivot from one, the, the, some of the panic type stuff is hard to, to bring down. And then it's also, you, you're talking in sound bites. So when you say something like, I don't think hospitals should routinely ca- cancel elective surgery, then that gets misinterpreted. When I, when I, what I really wanted to say is they really need to look at cases case by case and really understand what the word elective means because some things elective means you have flexibility and timing, but not indefinite flexibility. So there are other conditions you have to think about and uh, you don't have enough time sometimes in a, in a, two second soundbite to be able to say all that. Yeah. So then you get, you get, I mean, even today somebody asked me about play dates and, uh, and then the headline was like public health official says play, play dates. Okay. And I didn't say that. I said, you have to think about the well being of the child. And if you can do a play date where you have a small number of people, you have good hand hygiene, you're maybe doing it outside and you make sure there's no, nobody with, with symptoms there. I think that those, those can be permissible and consistent with social distancing. But that wasn't what the headline said. The headline said, I said, with playdates, we're okay. And then all of a sudden, all this hate mail that I'm trying to kill grandmothers came to me. Yeah, you can't read the comments, even though I do too. I love reading comments. I grew up with well, them. These aren't comments. People look up my email and then they write uh, me these emails. All right. Well, maybe you got to 
put a, some better spam filter on. But I'm not blaming the victim. I want to I go two other questions. I'm sorry that people, hey, anybody listening, tweet at Dr. Adalja. Tell him how great you think he is. Tell him how straight his tie you think is. Tell him how him blinking his eyes is a good thing. You know, just send him some love on social media because he is on the front lines doing a lot of really great work. He's not even taking money from any of the major networks. He's going on all of them just to give people accurate information as best as he can. He's like one of the few people not profiting off of this. So send him your love. Couple other questions. I have some friends who are pregnant right now and freaking the fuck out. Are they gonna? Can you give them some concern? I I say that, you know, they'll be okay because the pregnancy wards are isolated and away from the COVID ward, and that they'll be okay. But and that worrying about it is going to actually be more dangerous. But what are some things that you can tell pregnant women right now to calm them down? We don't have a lot of data on pregnant women. That's not calming. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. There were like nine patients in China that were pregnant and they did fine. But remember, pregnancy is a state of immune suppression because your body's trying not to reject the fetus. So your immune system is down um, during pregnancy. And pregnant women do have a worse time with respiratory viral infections because of the decreased immunity, like influenza, for example. They also, as you get farther along in trimesters, the size of your uterus grows and compresses your respiratory cavity. So you have decreased reserve. So your lung function is diminished I mean, during I'm late sh- pregnancy. Calming. So you have to be much more vigilant. Obviously they are vigilant, but calming. Remember I asked for calm, to calm them down a little bit right now. I said it in a calm voice. No, you said scary stuff that they already know. I need you to calm my pregnant friends. With the real news that will be calming for them. I tell them, if you're pregnant right now, the chances are that your kid will get into the preschool you want is so much higher because nobody's having kids right now, electively. There's no preschool. Nobody's in school. That's true. But in four or five years from now, your kid is going to get into that preschool because there's going to be very few kids in his class or her class or their class or its class. What are some other calming things? Can are the pregnancy wards obviously are they you know are they preparing for this? Are they is it talk about that? Like is there anything calming because you just haven't said anything calming to pregnant women just one calming thing. The obstetric wards are preparing for this and Great. figuring out ways to do it. There you go. There you go <laughs> pregnant friends. And Trader Joe's uh, Whole Foods pizza dough Make it into pretzels. I'll, if you text, if you DM me, I'll tell you how to do it. It's really easy. Okay, fine. I'll just tell you right now. I'm obsessed. You just take Whole Foods pizza dough. You roll it into a pretzel shape, which you can Google. You put it in a vat of boiling water. Boiling water, one, uh, one part baking soda, nine parts boiling water for 30 seconds. And then you put it in the oven, 400 degrees for like 15 minutes. Put a little butter and salt. Best pretzels you'll ever have. I don't bake. I'm not a domestic goddess, but being home for a month is making me one. So cool, cool, cool. Okay. One other thing let's talk about really quickly before we have to go. New York City just put out this whole thing about like sexual health in the time of COVID, love in the time of COVID. Um, It's so funny to me that they are not calling an STD. I know you don't like this conversation, but like, how can you have safe COVID sex with someone else? Obviously, masturbating with a clean hand if you're alone. But how can you, if you are 10 feet away from someone and you let them come on you and oh they have. God. Dr. Adolja, I'm just trying to help people. You hate this question. It's not a sexually transmitted infection. But, Dr. Adolja, if. So you're saying that that is safe sex in the time of COVID? 
15 feet away, Bukaki. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to add a little bit of spice, keeping people, even though we're ending now, so anybody who is still with us is really already a trooper. Are you mad at me? No. You hate that question, but I know it's not sexually transmitted, but if it's transmitted from people being near each other, like, that's, I, I get the logic of saying you can't get it through vaginal or semantic. <laughs> what is, what is semen fluid? What do you call it? I'm, I'm not talking about that. Fine. It's not a sexually trans, I'm going with my, it's not a sexually it's transmitted. Not, okay, fine. So you have every, to be careful when you're kissing people. Yeah. Well, everybody has different interpretations of sex, but I think that people are really dumb. And if you tell them it's not sexually transmitted and they just hook up with people, like people are really dumb. So you have to be like, okay, you can't get it from this fluid, but if you're near someone, you can get it. And if you like having sex with people in the same room as you, you might, that might be sexually transmitted. Fine. We don't have to talk about this. I just, I'm trying to, it's a public health service for idiots. Maybe they shouldn't be reproducing. Maybe it's a Darwinian all right, that's mean. I'm sorry. Whatever. Okay. Last question. It's not a question. That was a misdirect. It's really just a thank you for being on this. Do you regret talking to me? Never. So we'll probably meet again in a week. What do you, any predictions for next week when we talk? Any, anything you want to correct from last week? Anything? No, I think we'll have, we may have some remdesivir data, but we may have more shutdown type stuff. We might see some more people pushing back on some of the shutdowns. We may hear more about ICUs being stressed. I think that's all going to happen in the next week. Okay. Um, all right. Any final words? Nothing? No. All right. Stay safe. Stay rested. Thank you for your service. Um, friends listening, please just send Dr. Dalja some kind words. Sorry I asked about semen. Dr. Dalja, I'll probably do it again. And uh, have a good have a good day, okay? All right, bye. Bye. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.